We bless your name, God, on this morning. We praise God. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be before you this morning. I just want to say for everybody watching and everybody sitting in the house this morning, happy Mother's Day. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Listen, if you didn't give yourself a pat on the back, give yourself a good pat on the back. Because sometimes nobody gives it to you, so you got to give it to yourself. Give yourself a pat on that. Say, yeah, I know that's right. I am a good mama. I'm a praying mama. I'm a giving mama. I'm a patient mama. Amen. Hallelujah. You can take your seats this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. I learned something. Every year, I learn something new about motherhood. Amen. Every year. Because every year, my kids get a year older, and I have to learn something new about motherhood. And every year that my kids get older, they teach me to pray some more. <laughs> a lot more. They teach me significant patience. They teach me things about me that I didn't even know about myself. They expand my pain threshold. Amen. They keep me humble. Sometimes they put me on the brink of insanity, and then Jesus got to pull me back. I don't know about your kids. I'm talking about mine. But I will say this. I exchange the title that I have for anything else in the world. Amen. I think the most privileged thing I have, the most greatest treasure that I have is the treasure that I have to be a mother. And I want to say to the mothers that are in the house today, you don't have to birth a child to be a mother. We know that. You can mother a child if it not even be your own. And so I'm speaking to the mothers in the house, but the ones who have mothered a child, I want to say happy Mother's Day to you. I don't know how you ladies all do it. Amen. For those of you who are grandmothers, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you worry about your kids and then your kids' kids. I'm not on that level yet, but I can't even imagine the humbleness it takes um, to, to manage that kind of a mantle. Amen. So I want to honor all the mothers that are in the house um, here this morning. I respect you. I honor you. We glean from each other and we need each other. Amen. I came across an article um, not too long ago and I thought it was interesting and it actually became the platform for this message. It was an article in a Christian magazine and it was about the number seven, the significance of the number seven. So it became interesting to me. I wanted to know more about this number seven. And we know that throughout the Bible, at least five or six times, the number seven was significant. But in this particular article, it was about the significant number seven in the book of Revelations. And anytime I see about the book of Revelations, I get curious. I want to know. And so in this article, they were showing the significance of the number seven. And it shows an article about Jesus in a story in Revelation 1, and it says three times Jesus uses this number seven, and it's significant. And in this story, John and Jesus are having a dialogue. Jesus is telling John, I want you to do something. And he appears before John, and the Bible says that John almost falls down as dead because Jesus is in his glory. And he witnesses the appearance of Jesus, and Jesus shows up before him with two things in his hand. Seven lampstands on his left hand, and seven stars on his right hand. Well, I always knew the significance of the seven lampstands. It stood for the seven churches in the book of Revelation. But I thought it was intriguing to me what he had in his right hand, which were seven stars. 
So I got curious about those seven stars in the hands of Jesus speaking to John in the book of Revelation. And he begins to tell John, I want you to write some things down. I got a story, a letter I want you to write to the churches. So I thought about those seven stars and I said, were those seven stars literal or were they just for analogy? Well, I got to studying someone, I found out that those seven stars are literal. There are literally seven constellations in the sky that you can look up in the sky and see them on a nice clear night. Those seven stars are significant. Those are the same seven stars that they looked at in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and the same stars we see in the sky today. Well, I did a little bit more studying, and I found out that those seven stars that Jesus was referring to in his hand are also famous and known for seven sisters. They call it the seven sisters. That's what I found out. And I said, well, that'll preach. Seven sisters. And so that's when the Lord gave me the word for today. Amen. The title of this message this morning is about seven sisters you need in your life. Seven sisters, seven friends that you need to get in your environment. People that you need to befriend and have close to you. Seven sisters you need in your life. Amen. We're getting ready to pray, but if you guys can get it from me, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your presence this morning. Father, we glorify you. Every woman in this house, Father God, this morning brings glory to your name. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor of motherhood. But Father, we attribute all of our success and everything that we have progressed in our lives to you, Jesus. Father, I ask you this morning to bless their souls. Strengthen every woman in the house this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for their excellence in motherhood. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for their sacrifice, their diligence, their giving spirits, Lord God. Father, I ask you to edify the woman in the house today. Be a blessing unto them. Send them home refreshed, rejuvenated, and excited about the next season of their life. And we will give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And the house says amen and amen. And so my title, if we can get that slide up this morning, seven sisters. Oh, I'm sorry, seven sisters. A sister. You got it. Seven sisters you need in your life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. We're getting ready to read the scripture. But I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I don't need that many friends. Sometimes too many friends are no good. I don't need no friends in my life. I just got Jesus. But I want to remind you that you do need friends. That God created us for fellowship and for communion. And sometimes you may have a season where God may close the door with a friend in your life. But I want you to know that's really only an opportunity for another friend to come into your life. Because we need each other. We need to empower each other. We need to pray for each other. I want to tell you that the friends that you have on Facebook, those are not your friends. They are fictitious friends. They are not there for you. They are just interested in the highlight reel of your life. Amen. I don't even like that Facebook calls them friends. I mean, these are not my friends. Some of them are my foes. They just want to know what's going on in my life. I want to read that scripture. If we can get up there. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judea. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Next verse. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard, heard just the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a friend. 
And she spake out with a loud voice. And she said, blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Next verse. And whence this is to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Stop right there. That's the kind of friend I want in my life. Amen. This is the kind of sister that you get in the presence of her, and she makes your baby jump. Amen. That you could be feeling a certain kind of way. Elizabeth, in case you don't remember, actually Elizabeth is her cousin. But she comes at the hearing that Elizabeth is with child. She, the Bible says that she went hastily to where she was. Now we know that Mary was already carrying her own miracle. She already found out that she was carrying the Messiah. Now she goes to where Elizabeth is because she found out that she's with child too. And the Bible says she hastily went to her. And upon just getting in each other's environment, they already was having holy ghost the bible says she saluted her with great expectation with great exclamation and she said why the mother of my lord it's nice when you can get around a sister and you can get excited when you get together amen you know why i say that because sometimes we have friends who, if they are down, they just bring us down with them. But it is really enlightening, encouraging, and refreshing to get around an Elizabeth and a Mary who, when they get in each other's company, they get excited. They get excited. Amen? That's the kind of sister I want in my life. Not necessarily the ones that I see up on Facebook and trying to just see everything that I'm doing. Those are not your friends. They are fictitious friends. Amen? Those are the people who want information, amen, instead of affirmation. Praise God. Some people are in your life, but they're not for your life. Some people are in your environment, but they have no benefit to you at all. But I need at least seven sisters in my life who can come to me and be a blessing to my life. Amen. Praise God. So the first one that I just started to speak about, the first one is Mary. If you can get that slide up there for me. Mary. I gave all these seven ladies nicknames, by the way. Mary, I call her the affirmer. And I'm isolating her incident to her and Elizabeth. She's the affirmer. They get in the presence of each other and something happens. Elizabeth thinks that the, the baby that is in her womb is dead. The baby has not been moving and she thinks that the, the promise that lies within her is dead. But she gets in the presence, Mary gets on the scene and steps to where she is. And all of a sudden, the thing that was dead in her has come back to life. The Bible says exactly that when she came into her presence, the baby leaped in her womb. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think it's very noble of a, a great woman of God that when you get in her environment, the thing that I thought was dead, you revive me, you affirm me, you give me affirmation that the thing that lies within me, my promise, my miracle, my purpose, the thing that lies within me, when I get around you, you make my baby jump again. You get me excited. You make and remind me that the thing that lies within me is not dead. It's not finished. It's not gone. I'm not disqualified. I will birth this child. Thank you, Mary, because you just affirmed me and reminded me that I got purpose in my life, that I've got a miracle on the way. And even though what I thought to be dead that lied within me, you just brought it back to life. That's a sister you need in your life. Amen. How many of you can use a sister like that? When you get around me, we get together, we mix it up, we get excited, we encourage one another, and you make my baby jump. Amen. Amen. She revives you. The next one, which is probably my favorite, is Deborah. 
That's a, that's a bad sister you need in your life. Deborah, I called her the strategist. The strategist. If you don't know a whole lot about Deborah, she's in Judges chapter 4. Deborah is the judge, the only female judge in the Bible. She also operates under the anointing and a title of a prophetess. She's also a wife. How does she juggle all these things? I do not know. But the Bible accredits her and says that she was a righteous judge. You see, in those days, the judges that had proceeded before her, they were good, but they had also come to idolizing Baal. They were falling into false worship. And then God appoints her, God appointed her to be the next judge. And the Bible says that she was the righteous judge. That when people had disputes, they came to Deborah because she was a strategist. She had answers. She was wise. She was intuitive. She was a planner. She could foresee things and figure them out. Amen. And she was a prophetess who was hearing from the Lord. That's a bad sister. I like those sisters. Amen. She's savvy. She's smart. She's ethical. Amen. She puts things into perspective. She doesn't fight, but she gives you the battle plan. Amen. I ain't going to go, but I'm going to tell you how to do it. Amen. She's level-headed, and you know what I love about her most? She is not emotional. She is not emotional. She's called the mother of Israel, Deborah. There was something going on during that time where she had heard from the Lord, and the Lord told her, go get your secretary of defense. His name was Barak. And she, and she goes and gets Barak, and she says, Barak, I just heard from the Lord. The Lord told me to tell you to get 10,000 of your best men and get them ready to fight. We're going to battle. And Barak looks at Deborah and says, you sure? Let's, the word of the Lord, get your 10,000 men together. We're going to go fight. Barak says, okay, but I don't want to go without you because I see that the blessing of the Lord is on you. And she says, well, do. I'll go with you. That's a bad sister who says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Get the 10,000 men, assemble the men. I'm going to go with you, but I ain't going to fight. I'm just going to stand back. And I'm going to tell you who, what, where, when, and why. And you just take the battle plan and you go forward. Long story short, Barak and his, his men, they come to victory. But Barak was a little hesitant. Remember, he, did, he lacked the faith to think he would win. And she told him, this fight, this victory is not going to be for your glory. It's going to be for the glory of the Lord because you are lacking faith. She gets a word from the Lord and she goes to Barak. You need this kind of sister in your life. And I'm mentioning all these ladies because I want you to know what kind of sisters you need in your life. You need this sister in your life because she brings balance. She brings things into perspective for you. I don't know about you, but I enjoy, I appreciate a sister in my life that brings balance. And I'm going to tell you why. Sometimes we get emotional and we make emotional decisions and we say emotional phrases and outbursts. This is the sister, the judge, the prophetess, the wife, the woman of God that comes very calm. She's now wound up. She comes right in your presence and says, what are you doing? Did God tell you to do that? Did you pray about that? And just straightens you out. Just puts, you, puts it all level right there for you. And you're getting all worked up and you're ready to work this, make this final life-changing decision. And that's it. I've done. I had it. I can't no more. And I'm out the door and I can't. And she's, did the Lord tell you that? She is the kind of sister that after you walk away, you're like, I don't even know why I was going to do that. 
She makes you feel foolish, like, I, I don't even know why I was thinking that either. Amen? She's level-headed and not emotional. I love this about Deborah because she's a strategist. She thinks things through from the beginning to the end. She doesn't just make a decision because she's emotional. She says, let me see how this is going to affect God's people. How is this going to affect my life? How is this going to affect my people? Amen? She's not emotional. She's level-headed. And she's smart and intuitive. I love being around smart women because they make me want to be smarter. Amen? How many of you like hanging around great? You will never step into your great until you hang around great. When you get around great, it inspires you. It makes you want to be better. It makes you want to post something and say, I like to be like that. So let me up my game. Let me get more educated. Let me pray a little more. Let me read this Bible. Let me see what it says to me. You should get around people like a Deborah that says, I'm a prophetess and this is the word of the Lord for you. You need to go higher. You need to be better. You need to stop being so emotional. Get yourself together and stop acting like a fool and get it together. How many of you need a sister like that in your life? Just levels you out. You don't get offended. You don't get hurt. You don't get upset with her. You just receive it and you walk away going, why didn't I think of that? She's a strategist. She's a judge. The Bible says that they used to bring the disputes of Israel to her. What a woman of influence. Amen. That I could stand as a judge over the city of Israel and judge righteously and not be emotional. Wonderful, great woman of God. She's a type of woman who will not abandon you when you lack faith. Barack lacked faith. She said, no, no, no. Get it together. We're going to win this. We're going to win this battle. We're going to come out victorious. If I wanted to personalize this, I would tell the wives in the house, um, the fiancés in the house, that if perhaps you have a man by your side who every now and again lacks faith, I want you to be a Deborah and be level-headed and don't get emotional. Support him. Pray for him. Stand by him. Even if he lacks faith every now and again, be that support system like a Deborah who says, Barack, don't get emotional. Don't get all overworked. Don't see things that are not there. We are going forward. We are going to fight. We are going to win. We're going to be victorious. We're not going to look back. We're just going to go forward. I'll come hand. I'll come with you, and I'll tell you what to do and where to go. But we are not looking back. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to get second guess. We're going to be going forward. Amen. I like that kind of a sister. I like her. She's like a wonder woman. <laughs> I just want to remind you that um, she was an appointed judge of God. Because I know some women who they are self-appointed judges. And um, they think they have a God-given right to judge everybody. And they say, this about you, 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 and you. But they got no appointment from the Lord. That's not the friend I'm talking about. You can unfriend that one. Amen. You can unfriend that one. I'm not talking about that kind of judge. I'm talking about a God-appointed, righteous, level-headed woman of God. Amen. Not the self-righteous judge. I don't need those kinds of friends. If I had a part two, I would say the seven friends you don't need. <laughs> Amen. But we're going to concentrate on the ones that we do need. Amen. Praise God. I like this verse, Proverbs 13, 20. I love this. If you want to go write this one down because we, we want to be women of influence and have women around us. Proverbs 13 and 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You ought to be at a place in your life that you only want to be around the wise. 
Because it's easy to get around fools. And it's easy when you get around a fool to act like a fool. And when you act like a fool, you do foolish things. And then you look back and you go, how did I let that happen? I can't believe I let myself go there. I can't believe I put my guards down like that. You know what I want to say to you? Stop acting like a fool. Stop hanging around fools and get around the wise. Amen? The next woman, the next friend, the next sister is Naomi. Naomi. I call her the sage because she's such a wise woman. This woman I think is amazing. This is a woman who in Ruth chapter 1 loses everything. Her husband dies, if that's not bad enough. Her son dies and then her other son dies. The woman is left with nothing. She has no spouse. She's a widow. She has no children. What she does have is her son's wives. This woman finds enough in herself, this sister finds enough in herself to get out of her own need and begins to look at her own daughters and nurture them. Her daughter-in-laws, she's nurturing them. She's protecting them. She's looking out for them when she really needs to be looking out for herself. But because she's so concerned and has such a nurturing heart, she looks at her daughters-in-law and tells them, listen, I cannot give you any more sons. So you just go ahead and you continue with your life. I have lost my sons and I have lost my husband. And there's nothing else I can do. I'm too old to remarry and I'm too old to bear new children. So you go ahead and live your life because I want God to work in your life. This is a woman, this is a sister that says, even though I'm miserable, I don't have to make everybody miserable around me. You ever meet anybody like that? That when they're miserable, they want everybody to be miserable? I know a few of them because things are not going right in their life. They feel like, well, then everybody's life should be a living hell. Why? Because I'm going through mine and you should go through yours. People like that, even when you laugh, they look at you, what are you laughing at? What's so funny? I got the joy of the Lord. Oh, shut up. You want me to pray for you? Don't pray for me. Don't even talk to me. Those people are the ones who misery loves company and they love to make everybody else miserable. Naomi is not like this, surprisingly. She's older in age. She has nothing to give. She's without a husband, without children. Yet she finds it in herself to say, listen, you take care of you. You, get, you do what you have to do. I want you to live on. I want you to move forward. I want you to succeed. And instead of thinking about herself, she's thinking about these young ladies. I like that kind of a sister because that kind of a sister lets me know that she's not in the relationship just for me. Just for herself. She's in it for me. She's not just thinking about herself. She's thinking about me. She's still worried about my future and my purpose and the plan of God for my life. She's not just saying, well, because I quit, I don't care about you. She's saying, I can't get me, but you get you. You do you. You take care of you. You go out there. You find your purpose. You do what God tells you to do. As a matter of fact, God uses her to be the agent to bring Naomi, Ruth, right where she needs to be. A woman of great purpose. Naomi, you need that kind of a sister. You need a nurturing spirit. You need someone around you who's selfless and wants you to succeed. Amen. This next sister, her name is Esther. Esther. Everybody knows Esther. Her name in Hebrew means Hadassah. Hadassah. 
I love Esther and everything she signifies. But this is another sister you need in your life. This is someone you need to be an influence. She is the person that stands in the gap between you and the king. She's an advocate for you. She stands in the gap. She's the mediator. If you're not, if you're not, if you don't remember, but Esther is the one who gets promoted supernaturally to become the queen. She's sitting in the king's house. She has esteem. She has influence. But yet her people, she's finding out, are getting ready to perish. Her people are going to die. Naaman, who works right under the king, has a plan to annihilate and wipe out her people. And Esther can do, have done one or two things. She could have said, well, it is what it is, and that's their fault. I'm in the king's house. I'm where I need to be. I got mine. I'm at the king's house. I got everything set. I don't need to get involved in all that. Or she says, but those are my people. I'm a queen now, but those are my people. And I cannot let my people perish. So the Bible says she takes a risk. And upon hearing upon the plan of Naaman, she says, I'm going to take a risk. And if this risk costs my life, then it costs my life. But I cannot let my people go down and me go up. I'm the kind of woman who I love what God is doing in my life, but I can't leave my people behind. I like sisters like that because that's the sister that says, this is just not about me. When I move forward, you move forward. When you progress, I progress. When I see you do good, I do good. I have said in this house multiple times that I edify my spirit when I watch you succeed. Every time one of you sisters comes to me and you say, the Lord has done the work. The Lord is doing this in my life. God opened the door. God is doing a miracle. God is opening this great door of opportunity. God spoke to me. God launched me. All of those things, they edify my spirit more than you can imagine. Why? Because it's not about me. I don't just get excited when God progresses me. I want to progress together. I want the house of the Lord to move forward together. When you fall, we fall. And when you progress, we progress because we're moving forward together. Amen. And this is the sister that says, I know that I'm queen, but my people are getting ready to die. And Naaman, who works right under the king, is, is all in his plan. And she says, I got to let the king know. And in those days, if you approach the king, even if you were the queen, if you approached the king unannounced or uninvited and walked up into his court, you would get killed. Killed. as Queen Vashti. She got vanished. But she says, you know what? I got to take a risk. She's a risk taker. I like those ladies. I like hanging around women like that. They're like, well, if I die, I die. But I can't let my people perish and me hang out high and mighty, knowing everybody coming behind me is falling behind me. What kind of a great influential woman would that be? I like hanging around a kind of sister that says, I want to move forward, but I want you to move forward. Have you ever been that way where you know that God is working well in your life, but then you look at some women around, you're like, but what about them, Lord? I don't feel good about my success because I know that they're falling. Amen. I love this about Esther. So she becomes that mediator. And she risks her life and goes before the king. Long story short, she comes before the king and thank God he doesn't kill her. But the Lord uses her to save her own people. She says, just because I'm a queen, I don't forget. I don't forget what the Lord took me from. I wasn't always in, I wasn't always in, a, in a castle. I wasn't always a queen. I wasn't always high and mighty. I remember the days I had nothing. And I'm not about to leave my sisters behind because I got mine. The great sister says, I got mine, but I want you to get yours. Amen. That's the kind of friend you need in your life. 
That's the kind of friend. That's the kind of friend that when she's doing good and you're doing horrible, she's like, oh, I can't. I don't have nothing to do with you no more because I don't got time for your junk. Well, then you weren't my friend. You weren't really a friend, were you? Amen. Your real friend won't abandon you when you're at your low place. Your real friend will be there to pick you up. This is why I say we need fellowship. This is why I say we need communion because I need that sister that when I'm at my low place. And listen, I have them too. I have them too. I don't care how veteran you are in the Lord, how smart, appointed, and anointed, and Holy Ghost filled you are. You will hit a low place in your life. And when you hit that low place, you need a sister who is intuitive and discerning to look at you in the face and say, are you all right? Are you all right? Because I'm doing good. But I ain't doing good unless you're doing good. That's the sister I want in my life. Can anybody, anybody shout back and say, that's the sister I need in my life. And listen, if you can't get that friend, then be that friend. Be that friend. The Bible says he who has friends must show himself friendly. And so listen, maybe I haven't found her yet. I haven't found all seven of these ladies in my life yet. I'm still searching. But in the interim, I have told the Lord I will be that friend to somebody else while you bring me mine. Amen. Praise God. The next one is Ruth, the loyalist. Ruth. I like this chick. I like, she is tenacious, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. To me, she's so committed to Naomi. And if you look at it off the cuff, you don't even really understand why. Why is she so stuck on being with Naomi? She knows she has nothing to give. Her husband is dead. Her children are dead. Why do I need to hang out with you? Yet... Ruth finds something within herself, looks at Naomi and says, I know you want to send me away. You want me to start my life over, but I'm not leaving you. And Naomi says, go. She says, no, I'm staying right here with you. She goes as far as risk taking and says, you know what? As a matter of fact, wherever you go, I'll go. And wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. And your people, they'll be my people. And your God, my God. And wherever you die, I die. And wherever you get buried, that's where I'll be buried. I am your ride or die partner. I ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. I'm here to the end. Come thick or thin. I'm the real deal, friend. I'm committed to you. The Lord has assigned me to you. That other chick, she's gone. But me, I'm going to stay right by your side. If you get sick, I'll take care of you. If you cry, I'll wipe your tears. If you need prayer, I'll lay hands on you. If you're angry, I'll calm you down. If you get crazy, I'm going to set you straight. I ain't going nowhere. That's a risk-taking lady. I call her the riot die. I think they are the modern-day Thelma Louise. I really do. Sometimes my mind wanders, and I thought about these two ladies, and I just said, I don't even know that I would do that. She is some kind of woman. And I thought about this, and I said, if I could make a modern-day movie on this one, um, it would probably be something like she's that kind of chick where... This is a movie, not in church. <laughs> Don't get crazy. This is the kind of chick to me in a movie that um, does something crazy, and she picks up the phone and calls her friend, and she's crying. Oh, that's it. I can't take it no more. He beat me for the last time. He broke my nose. I got blood coming down my face. I couldn't take it. I got crazy. And then the other sister said, well, what did you do? I killed him. I killed him. I couldn't take it no more. I killed him. I killed him. You got it. I killed him. That's the crazy sister that says, let me get my shovel. 
I'll be there five minutes. We got to get rid of the evidence because I'm your ride or die. And when you go down, I go down. But when you go up, I go up. We crazy together. I'm your ride or die, sister. Can somebody say amen? It's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. You do not have divine permission to take your husband out. Even if you're tempted. Call Deborah if you do. She will straighten you out. That's my Ruth. Mm. My next friend, my next sister. You ever wonder who's your ride or die? Can you identify who's your ride or die? She will have to be one crazy lady. <laughs> I love it. You know what though? I love crazy ladies. Because they make me, me want to be uh, something that I'm really not. You know what I mean? They make me come out of myself and make me be fun too. Amen? You like being around a lady who doesn't have the same personality of you. And when you get around them, you're like, she is so different than me. Yes, you need those people in your life. You need them. The next one is Shifra. And I know some of you don't know who she is, but I'm going to give you a new friend today. Shifra. She's called the midwife. This is the sister, and it's more spiritual. You're going to have to listen with your spiritual ears on this one. Shifra is the midwife in the book of Exodus when Pharaoh is crazy and out of his mind, has made a decision to annihilate and do mass genocide and kill all the boys in Israel. Shifra is the midwife who is tasked with the assignment that when the mother births the boy, her assignment was to kill him. Hmm. But this midwife, Shifra, the Bible says in Exodus, I won't go for it for time. The Bible says that Shifra says, I ain't doing that. The Bible says that she feared the Lord. The Bible says that as the boys were birthing, she was on the birthing stool. If you don't know anything about how this used to go, it ain't nothing like today. No epidural, no nothing. Raw pain. The Bible would say that the midwife would stand before you, under you, and help you on the birthing stool to birth your promise. This midwife says, I am not going to do what Pharaoh says. I am a Hebrew by nature, and I'm not about to abort any child. I'm going to go against what Pharaoh says, and I'm going to be the agent that God uses to help you birth your promise. Hmm. Listen with your spiritual ear. This is the sister that stands in the gap between you and your promise. And she says, we ain't going to kill that thing. We're going to make it come to life. Even though the enemy himself has launched an attack, Pharaoh himself is launching an attack to kill your birth promise, your miracle. But I ain't going to let that happen. I'm not going to let Satan use me to kill your promise. This is the sister that helps deliver and give you birth to your purpose. I like those sisters, again, because, again, she is there for me to help me birth my purpose. Amen. She's investing into me. She moves the enemy out of the way to protect you. Amen. Very influential. No one likes to labor alone. 
No more nights to sit in a labor room and labor alone. This is the sister that comes alongside you, that while you're working for the Lord, she labors alongside of you. She's not a dream killer. She's pro-life. Pro-life in every sense of the word. She said, we ain't killing no babies and we ain't killing your dream. I am pro for your life. I'm going to keep what's in your womb and we're going to sustain you. You're going to make it. She's a dream releaser. She will help you birth it. She will position you to birth on the birthing stool. I like those sisters because they empower you. They go, come on, let's get you where you need to be to get you back on track. You need to leave that alone. Let's get you back on track where you need to be. Amen. She will not be influenced by Satan to harm your destiny. Some people, you might not know this, some people are launching an attack right on your life right now to get you to sabotage your destiny. But God is sending a midwife to you to stand in the gap to remind you, you shall not die, but live. For what? To declare the glory of the Lord. You shall not die. I know it looks like death. I know Satan is right around the corner trying to kill your destiny. But I'm here to tell you as your midwife, you will live and not die. You will birth. You will have purpose. You will make it. Amen. I like those sisters in my life. They're not dream killers. They're dream makers. Amen. She's wise enough to know that she could be killing her own deliverance. Because in case you didn't know, Moses came out of that. No midwife, no Moses. No Moses, no deliverer. But so you can see how Satan is. He was trying to kill at that time, but he didn't stop there. He jumps in the New Testament and still trying to kill the firstborn boys. He's trying to kill Jesus. But even at that time, we see how the hand of the Lord preserved him. Amen? A deliverer. Your breakthrough is often in someone else. Satan hires people that are close to you to abort what God put in you in the name of a friend. You think they're your friend, but they might be your foe. She was Hebrew. My next friend and my last sister, mm, you ain't going to like this one, but it's okay. How many of you know an enemy is necessary? I know you don't. It's okay. Penina. Penina, you see that evil eye? This girl, Penina, this chick, she's the one that will make you act like you don't want to act. She's the one that will make you get ghetto. Can I say it like that? She is the one that when you catch out the corner of your eye, you're like, mmm, if I catch you alone. Penina is, I call her the provoker. Because all she does is provoke. But she's necessary. And let's see why. In case you don't understand, I have to describe Hannah for you to understand Penina. Penina is the woman assigned to Hannah. Hannah is married, but Hannah, her womb is shut up. She is barren. It's closed. She cannot bear any children. Elder Rich spoke about her during offering. She is the woman who loves God. She's married, but she cannot give her husband a child. And in her exhaustion she finally gives in and she looks at her husband and says it's okay get you a second wife so you can get you some kids she's better than me I'm just saying he says okay <laughs> he gets him a second wife 
And this chick, Panina, gets on the scene, comes into Hannah's house. In my house. Gets in her house, births this man, ten sons. One, two, three, four. I mean, child after child. I mean, she's just super fertile. Amen. They're just popping out one behind the other and the other and the other. And Hannah's just standing by, just not really celebrating, not really excited because she wished it was her. But here's Panina, the fertile chick. She's just popping them out one behind the other. And they were all sons. And if you know anything about Old Testament, the sons stood for something great, righteousness. They were, they were favored. Amen. She gave them ten sons. Can you imagine Hannah? Looking over and watching all them kids running around the house in her house. Looking at Penina at the corner of her eye. The Bible says, now I had to do some extra studying because the Bible doesn't speak a whole lot about Penina. But I went a little deeper and I read pieces of the Torah. The Torah is the Jewish Bible. The Jewish Bible goes into a lot of historical background about Penina. Because I wanted to know a little something about this chick. The Bible says that Penina would torment her. She would just agitate her. She was evil, angry, mean, just just a provoker. The, the Torah says that when she would gather her children, she would call them one by one by one by one to torment Hannah. And she would call their names and just look. And Hannah would be right. She did it on purpose. She would call them one by one and then look over at Hannah and say, do you not have anyone to call? You better call Jesus. That would be it for me. Amen. You laughing because you know you would do the same. You at my house talking about do I, who do you think you are? I would have boop. Anyway, make a long story short. The Torah says that she, she ridiculed her, she tormented her. This is what I like about Hannah, though. She contains herself, she keeps her composure. I don't know how she does it. Keeps herself together and decides, you know what, instead of going back and forth with you, I'm going to go pray. She gets filled with enough inside of her. She gets to her boiling point and says, enough is enough is enough. I'm not trying to have now one more child come if it not be through my womb. She goes to the house of the Lord. She goes and she prays. And she prays a very bold and crazy prayer. And I read this in the Torah. The Bible says, the Torah says that she went into the house of the Lord and she was just mumbling, just talking, 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 talking. And Eli thought she was drunk. And she said, I ain't drunk. I'm talking to the Lord. Just, just let me be. You don't understand what's going on in my life. The Torah says that she comes before the Lord and she's mumbling. But he heard this one thing. He heard her say, God, you are the God of all seasons of this world. And you have created my eyes to see and my ears to hear and my mouth to speak. But you have put in me a womb, but I have no children. Why? Why did you give me this womb if I could not bear a child? And she said, I must do something crazy, Lord. If you give me a son, if you give me a child, I will take a vow and I'll give him back to you. God heard that prayer. God opened up her womb, gave her that son. Today we know him to be 
Anybody know? Samuel, a great man of God. This woman provoked her to her boiling point, and what she didn't understand was that was necessary. No pressure, no prayer, no prayer, no promise. Amen? You need this sister in your life who provokes you because her friction positions you right where you need to be. You agitate me enough that you make me want to do better. You are such a hater. You must see something in me that I don't even see in myself. But that's okay. I'm going to use your provoking to launch me right where I need to be. You could be my hater, but that's all right. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to watch God move. Amen? She forces me to take a stand. She is annoying and agitating as can be. You can dislike her, and she can annoy you, but you need her. Some of you are thinking about somebody right now. You know what you need to say? Because the haters gonna. And the faker is gonna. Uh-huh. I see what y'all been listening to. Penina means pearl. And I don't know if you know the process of the pearl, but the process of the pearl is tumultuous. It goes into the oyster and sand starts to get in. The minute that a foreign substance starts to get in, the oyster goes into defense mode. Amen. And what you don't understand is why it's being tumulted in the water and the sand. What's happening inside is something so great. And all the affliction and all the adversity, you think you're hurting me, but you don't understand what's happening on the inside. I'm getting ready to produce a pearl of great value. So all your affliction and all your adversity, you can say thank you to Penina. You want to you call Penina today and say thank you. Thank you because if you didn't give me no friction, I might not be where I am today. If you don't give me no adversity, I might get lazy in my walk and not walk into my destiny. Thank you, Panina, because what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Thank you, Panina, because you put me right where I needed to be. You got me sick enough to do something I've never done before. Thank you, Panina, because while you thought you were hurting me, God was just setting me up, putting me in a pearl so that I can burst something valuable, great. Amen? Panina. Ooh, Penina. Anything that produces, that helps you to produce, that's your friend. Keep her. You need her. She's going to make you great. The more she annoys you, the more friction she brings you, the more friction she brings to your life, she's going to push you to be something great. I'm going to admit something in here today. And I love all my friends. But I will tell you, those people who have come into my life to bring friction to me and make me come out of myself a little bit, they are the ones that make me pray the most. They're the ones that make me run to prayer. Those are the ones that I think about them and I go, I just want, you make me want to succeed. So you need to look at your afflicting people, the people who you bring friction to your life and say, thank you, because you make me want to be great. You make me want to succeed because you doubted me. You thought I'd be nothing. You talked about me and brought me down. But thank you because you, I'm going to use you as a launching pad to be exactly who I need to be. I love those people. Bring them, Lord, because they'll put me right where I need to be. Amen. The last thing I want to say to you, this is a bonus, friend. It's not one of my seven. But you got seven sisters. Amen. You got your provoker. Your midwife, the loyalist, the mediator, 
the sage, the strategist, and the affirmer. But here's one more friend you need. The Bible says that there was this woman who, in my opinion, was not stable. She was emotionally unstable. She has a need, a physical need, and finds herself at a well. You know who I'm talking about. Makes her way to the well only to find out that what was in that well could not satisfy her thirst. She had had six men in her life. Five who were gone and the one she was with was not even her husband. She had been in numerous relationships, had experienced numerous failures, numerous failed relationships, hurt, anguish, void. Now she's at the well and she's thirsty. Thirsty for what? I don't know. But she comes and she's thirsty. This is a friend that shows up on the scene that fills her well and does for her what nobody else can do. Amen. Jesus shows up at the scene. So she's not well, goes to the well, and meets the well. Somebody say, well, well, well. <laughs> there goes Jesus. Jesus is on the scene and begins to meet a need for her that she could never have had before. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. When I can't find any other friends, I know I can go to my Jesus. He is unchanging. He is not emotional. He is always for me. His best interest is always for me. He's always available. And he knows the plan that he has for my life. This is a friend you must have. If you can't get those other seven sisters, you at least need Jesus in your life. Amen. Those seven sisters, they will tell you, it was the Lord. He's the way maker. He fills all the wells of your life, ladies. He's always available. He's my best friend. He does not disqualify me because of my past. He could have looked at that woman and said, you need to go back where you came from. You can't be here. You're full of filth. The sin in your life is repulsive to me. Find yourself somewhere else. But he doesn't. He embraces her. He listens to her. He speaks to her. He speaks life into her. And he says, those men that you were with, they can't give you what I can give you. But I can give you something that will fill you for the rest of your life. He does not disqualify her. That's, the, that's my Jesus. Amen. He satisfies my thirst, the longing of my soul. He repairs the broken place because where there were cisterns that cannot hold water, he fixes me till my cup runneth over. He taught me my prior relationships failed because he was not in the center. I don't care who you are in relationship with. I don't care how fly he is. I don't care how much money he got. I don't care what kind of career he got. If Jesus, I'm saying this, if Jesus is not the center, your relationship will fail. As some of the sisters in the house, they will tell you, they will testify. He was good. He was a hard worker. He did right by me, but it was not Jesus at the center. Because Jesus wasn't at the center, it failed and it collapsed. She meets the seventh man. And we just learned that seven is significant. It's the number of God. It's the number of perfection. She meets number seven, and she stops right there. She never has another need. She becomes a great evangelist to her people, and the Lord uses her tremendously. Amen. I just want to finish with a few verses about friendship. Proverbs 18 and 24, and you can write these verses down, 18 and 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is? 
Jesus. John 15, 13, greater love hath no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, I like this one. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can come and help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to come and pick him up. Again, this is why you need a friend. This is why you need fellowship. You don't ever want to fall and be alone. Proverbs 12 and 26, a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Last one, Proverbs 15 and 22, plans fail for lack of counsel. Who do you let even speak into your life? Who's giving you advice? And are you being discerning if that's for you? Or you're just receiving emotional advice. Women who have been in bad relationships, they don't always give the best advice for somebody else's relationship because they are still broken from theirs. And so I may make the mistake and tell you, oh, you need to leave him and cut that relationship. Why? Because mine did the same to me and I'm still broken. Be careful who you let speak into your relationships. Be careful who you let speak into your destiny. Be careful who you let influence you in your life. You need to seek wise counsel, counsel that benefits you, that can help you to look farther out into your future and will line up with the word of God. If it does not line up with the word of God, dismiss it. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Amen. Amen. Listen, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever had these sisters in your life, but if you can't be one, find one. If you can't find one, be one. But I need for us, us ladies, us women, I need us to be women of influence. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor to close it, but I'm actually going to ask all the ladies to just stand up right there where you are. And I want you to look around the room because it's not about you. Look at the ladies that are standing to your left and to your right in front of you. There are easily over 80 ladies just standing right in front of you right now. You're standing next to, in front, and behind the lady who needs a friend. I have had multiple times in my life where I had many people around me, but I could not find a friend. And the more that God brought people around me, the lonelier I got. You ever heard of being alone in a crowd? Sometimes you think that more people are better. But all it does is make you have to discern and distinguish, what is this person in my life for? Do I need this person in my life? Are they a friend to me? And I just want to confess and be candid before you that I'm not real quick to embrace everybody because I don't know your intention for my life. And I'm just at a place in my life that I can't let everybody have that kind of access to me anymore. I've got to guard my heart. And i got to protect the plan of God. I'm not trying to be lofty or conceited. It's just that i got to be careful. Because I can't let you be the agent to sabotage my future. And I understand sometimes God brings people into your life as an assignment. To mentor them to help them sometimes God will bring broken women into your life and while they are draining you're helping them those people are good you serve them you mentor them and then you move on because you still got to pursue your purpose 
But I want to encourage you, ladies, the more that God brings you a platform in your life, the more that God brings people into your life, be slow to speak and be very discerning and ask the Lord, Lord, are they for me or are they against me? Friend or foe? Because I'm at a place in my life where I have to just move forward and I can't take baggage with me. Amen. How many of you know you got purpose and destiny in your life? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are sisters in this house right now, and you're saying, I don't even have one real friend. And that's hard. Sometimes you just need a friend. Sometimes you just want to pick up the phone and just, just let it all out and not be judged and not be critiqued, but just so you can lay yourself out and let somebody listen to you. I'm going to pray that the Lord bring that friend into your life. I want you ladies just right there where you are to hook up and grab the hand of another sister. Just grab a hand, grab a hand, grab a hand. You may know her, you may not know her.